Welcome to the Stand By My Servants podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree, professor of church history and doctrine at Brigham Young University, explores the lives and teachings of the members of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. As we examine the lives and teachings of these leaders, our lives can be edified, enriched, and spiritually strengthened. Now here is your host, Dr. Mark D. Ogletree. Well, I am so grateful to be here today. What an awesome opportunity to talk about the life of Elder Ronald A. Rasband. And I think the way I'd like to begin today is I'd like to introduce the concept of a divine signature. And I'll share an experience actually, not initially from Elder Rasband, but from Elder Gerald Lund, who in his book, Divine Signatures, opened with this story. He told the experience that was re- related to him by Elder Robert Stewart, a member of the Second Quorum of the Seventy. When President Stewart served as a mission president in Brazil, he often sent the newly arriving missionaries out into the streets immediately. He wanted to have them have the experience of getting their feet wet by knocking on doors within hours of arriving in the mission field. The mission was located in Sao Paulo, and one of the new missionaries had just arrived by bus from northern Brazil. And after a nice meal in the mission home, this green missionary and his trainer launched themselves into the streets of Sao Paulo to do some tracting and street contacting. The trainer explained that he would knock on the door of the first home they came to, but the second door would belong to the new missionary. Now, of course, this young missionary protested, arguing that he was too afraid to engage in such a task. Nevertheless, his companion was persistent, and the new missionary knocked on the door of the second home. Elder Lund further explained, When this young elder knocked on the second door, the senior companion stepped back and indicated for him to proceed. He shrank back. When the door opened, to the young elder's astonishment, the person standing there was his older sister. She had run away from home three or four years earlier. The family had not heard from her since and had no idea where she was or even if she was alive. One can imagine the sweetness of that reunion and the tears of joy that were shed that night. As he concluded this story, Elder Stewart said two things that deeply impressed him. Number one, not only was his sister one of the first non-members he contacted in the mission field, but she became his first convert baptism as well. And then he added, as you think about this, Elder Lund, remember that at the time, there were between 13 and 14 million people in Sao Paulo. Or in other words, the idea that this missionary could have been sent anywhere. But the mission president felt inspired that he should go to this particular area where on the first door he knocked as a missionary, he meets his long-lost sister who his family hadn't seen for years. Now, here's Elder Lund. When things like this happen... The world tends to use words like coincidence or good fortune to explain them. As the popular saying goes, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. But in my experience, it's just the opposite. What we call coincidence is God's way of letting himself be known. It's his way of revealing himself. Sometimes the Lord sends his blessings in such a highly unusual, dramatic, or precisely timed manner that it might be linked to a divine signature. It was as though the Lord signs the blessings personally so that we will know with certainty that it comes from him. In doing so, God not only gives us the blessings, but at the same time, he also strengthens our faith 
and deepens our testimony of him. So now for each one of us, what kind of coincidences have you had in your life and have you experienced a tender mercy or a divine signature lately? Or as Elder Rasman likes to say, have you noticed something that's been orchestrated by divine design? Have you seen an intersection of events or people? And do we think of these little events as miracles, revelation, or just mere coincidences? Or even worse, do we not think of them as anything? If we have a miracle mindset, we will see everything as a miracle. Now, some of you have heard maybe the famous quote by Albert Einstein, that there are only two ways to live your life. One is, though, one is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. That reminds me of something Orson F. Whitney taught years ago. He said, paradoxically, it might be said that the time will come when miracles will be so common that there will be none. Wouldn't that be interesting if we had so many miracles in our lives, we just didn't even recognize them anymore. But it's my belief that there are miracles around us every single day. And we just have to have that miracle mindset to look and to see. And Elder Rasband's big on this idea, and we'll develop this more as we go. But let's let's talk more about his life here for a minute. So his mother, Verda Anderson Rasband, was a loving leader who nurtured young Ron's love for the scriptures. His father, Ruland Hawkins Rasband, was a faithful priesthood holder who exemplified the virtues of hard work. Now, on February 6, 1951, Elder Rasband was born, the only child to his parents' union. Both had been married and divorced. Both his parents had been married and divorced, and Ron grew up under the added care of two older brothers and an older sister, technically step-siblings, but they never really felt that way. They were very close. He was a combination of our parents. We all loved him, said his sister. I love this. Ron never allowed mom and dad to stand by each other or sit together without him being right in the middle of them. And I'm quoting from Elder Ballard, who wrote the article, Elder Ronald A. Rasband, Gifted Leader, Devoted Father, Ensign, April 2016. That's where a lot of this information is going to come from. So, Elder Rasband has the opportunity to grow up in a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere in Salt Lake City. They live in the Cottonwood area. And uh, I love what he said about himself, that more than a few times, my primary teachers went on, went to my mother, who was the state primary president, and said, that Ronnie Rasband is a tough little kid. But they never gave up on me. They showed me great love and always invited me back into class. Ron's childhood centered on the church, ward meetings, ward parties, ward dinners, ward sports teams. And when he wasn't busy at the Cottonwood First Ward Meeting House, he was working odd jobs. He was involved in scouting. He spent a lot of time with his friends. At home, there was great family time that were centered on the scriptures, games, and chores. Now, another cool experience that Elder Rasband had growing up is that his stake president was President James E. Faust, who later became a member of the Quorum of the Twelve and then the First Presidency. And so growing up, Ron was blessed with good friends and trusted priesthood leaders. His stake president of 14 years was President Faust, and Ron's family enjoyed a great close relationship with President Faust and his family. In fact, uh, Elder Rasban said that President Faust always referred to him as one of his Cottonwood boys 
because he helped raise me. Isn't that awesome? Just to have a great leader in your life, a great influence in James E. Faust. Now, Elder Rasband, if you ever saw him in person, he looks like he could play linebacker right now for any professional football team. But ironically, he really didn't play sports in high school, and it wasn't because he didn't want to. It was because his family struggled financially, and so he had to work. I'll read this from Elder Ballard. Ron had no time for school sports once he reached high school because he always had a job. But he made time for local friendships that have lasted a lifetime. One of his friends, Craig McCleary, said, I've always admired Ron for who he is, but he wasn't perfect. And then with the smile he has, I've told him that if he gets into heaven, I'm going there too because we did some of the same stuff growing up. Now, this is an awesome story. So Elder Rasband's father, I mentioned they weren't wealthy at all. He drove a bread delivery truck. Uh, He would have to wake up every morning by 4 a.m. and he would get home late every night. His mother was home raising the children, but she also supplemented the family income by making and selling porcelain lace dolls. Ron's innate ability to lead, to delegate, and get things done was noticed early in his life. Same skills he would use professionally, but for example, he was assigned to mow the lawn. That was his family chore. That was his job. But Ron, like Mark Twain's Tom Sawyer, had a way of persuading his friends to help. I love this story. She says, I would look outside and there would be his best friend mowing the lawn for him. And then the next week, another of his friends was mowing and he would just sit on the porch and laugh and joke with them as they did his work. I think that is, that's some great skill, right? That is some great skill. Anyway, Elder Rasband also remembered one experience he had as a deacon when his mother asked him what his plans were to keep the word of wisdom. Elder Rasband said that I hope that I will keep it all the days of my life. His mother's reply had a big impact on him for the rest of his life. She committed him to keep the word of wisdom. And Elder, Elder uh, Rasband always remained faithful to that commitment. He graduates from Olympus High School. He attends the University of Utah for a year. And now it's time to go into the mission field. Now, Elder Rasband grew up in a home where his father and brother had served a mission in Germany, and it was his that he just wanted to serve there. When Ron Rasband opened his call, disappointment set in because he was called to the Eastern States Mission. And when he received that call, he really struggled. He said, ultimately, I decided I needed to get a testimony of this or I was going to be in a really sorry condition. I knelt down by the side of my bed and prayed. You know, I'm just a 19-year-old. I didn't have that much experience in the scriptures, but I grabbed my Doctrine and Covenants, and it opened at the 100th section. And I began reading, Therefore follow me, and listen to the counsel which I shall give unto you. And an effectual door shall be opened in the regions round about this eastern land. Therefore, verily I say unto you, lift up your voices unto this people. And when Elder Rasband read that phrase, Eastern land, he said, I had a witness come across me that not only should I be enthusiastic about this call, but I knew it was exactly where the Lord wanted me to go. And I went from being depressed about the call to elated about the call very quickly. What a great experience to to have that witness that that is exactly where Elder Rasband was to go to the Eastern States Mission. Now, we don't know a lot about his mission. We know a couple of things. One, that he did spend part of his mission in the Bermuda Islands. 
His mission president was Harold Nephi Wilkinson, and he only sent some of the best missionaries there because they were really, talk about on an island, so to speak. I mean, they were out there all alone, but the president had to send missionaries that he could trust, and Elder Rasband was one of those missionaries. Another thing that we learned recently uh, from Elder Rasband in a general conference talk is how Elder Marion D. Hanks came to his mission and focused on the Book of Mormon. And that that became a great turning point for Elder Rasband as he himself focused on the Book of Mormon, reading it with depth and with passion, and it really changed his life. Let me share one other experience that Elder Rasband had as a missionary. And I read this from his book called Led by Divine Design. And this would be on page 8 and 9. He said, we must be willing to receive the Spirit. The Lord has promised that I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. I began to understand this as a young missionary in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. On one hot July morning, my companion and I felt prompted to look up a Temple Square referral. We knocked on the door of the Elwood Schaefer home. Miss Schaefer politely turned us away, and as she began to shut the door... I felt to do something I'd never done before and have never done since. I stuck my foot in the door and asked, Is there anyone else who might be interested in our message? Her 16-year-old daughter, Marty, did have an interest and fervently prayed, had fervently prayed for guidance just the day before. Marty met with us, and in time, her mother did participate also in the discussions, and they both joined the church. Resulting from Marty's baptism, 136 people, including many of her own family members, have been baptized and made gospel covenants. How grateful I am that I listened to the Spirit and stuck my foot in the door on that hot July day. Now, that message also was shared in a talk that Elder Rasband gave called Let the Holy Spirit Guide, a conference talk that was published in the May 2017 Ensign. What a great story. Well, Elder Ballard continued to tell us more about Elder Rasband's life in that Insign article. He said that he completes his mission in 1972. He finds a job and he enrolls in the University of Utah that fall. And by the way, Elder Rasband's ambition was to be the first member of his family that would graduate from college. He joins Delta Phi Kappa, a fraternity for returned missionaries. And at the fraternity's social activities, he couldn't help but notice an attractive young woman named Melanie Twitchell. Melanie was one of Delta Phi's elected dream girls who helped with the fraternity's service activities. And like Ron, Melanie came from an active Latter-day Saint family. Her father was a career military officer, and her mother never let the family's frequent moves become an excuse for missing church. Melanie was impressed by Ron's kindness, courtesy, and gospel knowledge. She said this, I said to myself, he is such an amazing man that it doesn't matter if I ever get to date him. I just want to be his best friend. It's probably a really great way to approach marriage relationships. As their relationship grew, the Spirit confirmed her impressions of Ron and of his commitment to the Lord, and soon their friendship blossomed into what Melanie calls a storybook fairy tale romance. Elder Rasband said that she was the perfect match for him. Melanie was every bit my equal in gospel devotion and heritage. We became best friends. And that's when I asked her to marry me. And I think that's a great indicator for all of us, for those listening that aren't married, that when that person becomes your best friend, it's a great indicator that they're the right person for you. 
So they marry on September the, September the 4th, 1973 in the Salt Lake Temple. Since then, Elder Rasband said that his selfless eternal companion has helped mold me like potter's clay into a more polished disciple of Jesus Christ. Her love and support and that of our five children, their spouses, and our 24 grandchildren sustain me. Now let me share with you another experience from Elder uh, Rasband's life that was so significant. It happened while he was a college student at the University of Utah. They were a young, he and Melanie were a young, a young married couple. It was 1976. Elder Rasband was the elders quorum president in his student ward. And then John Huntsman was the high council advisor. And so for those of you who know, some of you may not, but that high councilman is to work directly with the elders quorum president in teaching and training. He says, I even remember him once slipping me a personal check for $1,000 with these simple instructions. Use this to help those who are in need in your quorum. They were never to know where the money came from. A year after working with him in that ecclesiastical setting, I was surprised one day when he asked me to come to his office. There I was in plush professional business surroundings, me the son of a truck driver, when John invited me to join his company working in marketing and sales. I was honored. Sister Rasband and I had been praying for meaningful employment after graduation. We had a young family. We were living on meager funds, he said. John explained that he was not interested in my academic credentials, which were not stellar, but that he had seen my strengths of leadership and character that were a good fit for his business. Those traits he observed were a strong, were a strong work ethic and an ability to juggle the pressures of family, education, work, and church service. I learned why they were also his best traits. Now I'm going to deviate for a minute from the book and go to uh, Elder Ballard's biography because there are some things that Brother Huntsman noticed in Elder Rasman that of course he doesn't want to say about himself, but here's what John Huntsman said of Elder Rasman. He had an incredible leadership and organizational skills. I thought it was unusual that a young man who was still in college could run a quorum in such a way. For several months, John watched Ron turn ideas into action as he completed priesthood duties. And so when that senior marketing position opens up in John's company, uh, which would become Huntsman Chemical Corporation, he just felt that uh, Ron had the skills he wanted uh, for this job opening. And that's where Elder Huntsman, our brother Huntsman's heart was for sure. When the offer is made back in the office, Elder Rasband now, I'll quote from him, I immediately responded to his offer, that his offer was an answer to a prayer, and that I would love to join his company after graduation in the spring. My college degree was so important to me, my wife and my parents. Now, once again, I'm interjecting here, but Elder Rasband wanted to become the first member of his family to graduate from college. He smiled, Huntsman smiled, and then said, I need you now. Next week, he, would he explained he would be in Troy, Ohio at one of his packaging plants to negotiate with a major customer. If I wanted the job, I needed to be with him as the new account manager. And that was it. The job was next week or no job at all. That night, after seeking counsel from loved ones and friends, Sister Rasman and I prayed earnestly for direction. My dear wife, Melanie, was inspired with our answer. Isn't this what people go to college for, to find an opportunity like this one, she asked. We agreed that it was, and the Spirit confirmed our decision, and we took the job in Ohio. Now I'm going to go back to the Elder Ballard article. This is great going toggling back and forth here because you get more, you get different information from both sources. 
I told Melanie, so this is part of that decision-making, I'm not going to drop out of school and move. I've worked my whole life to graduate from college, and I'm finally close to my goal. Melanie reminded Ron that finding a good job was why he was in school, just like we just talked about. What are you worried about, she asked. I know how to pack and move. I've been doing it my whole life. I'll let you call your mother every night. Let's go, she said. Well, anyway, Elder Rasband said, I left the campus of the University of Utah just two semesters short of receiving my degree. Eleven years later, I was surprised and humbled again when John Huntsman appointed me president of his global corporation with thousands of employees and billions in revenues, and still without that college degree. I am not recommending that anyone skip the last important step of his or her education, but this should suggest that there is a masterpiece within each one of us, and when spiritually nurtured, carefully mentored, and loyally engaged in building up our families in the Lord's kingdom, all things are possible. Working for the Huntsman Corporation proved to be a great, great blessing in the life of the Razbans. Like we mentioned, it was 1987 when he was became president and chief operating officer of, of Huntsman Chemical. Uh, as he was advancing spiritually, or sorry, as he was advancing professionally, he was also growing spiritually. It was during this time that he served as a bishop, as a high counselor, as a member of the church's pioneer sesquicentennial committee, traveled a lot for the company, both domestically and internationally. Despite that busy schedule, he tried to be home on weekends. In fact, when he traveled often, he would try to take his family members with him. But the blessings of that income... Uh, and that uh, incredible, the incredible experiences that Elder Rasband had allowed him to be in a position at a relatively young age, about 45 as I remember, be called to be a mission president. Now, as a family man, when he was home, he made the children feel special and loved, Melanie said. He attended their activities and sporting events whenever possible. One of his daughters said that her, because of her father's ecclesiastical duties, he often had to sit mostly on the stand, and so whenever he sat with the family, the kids actually fought over who got to sit next to their dad. Now, that's a good sign, by the way. When the kids are fighting of who gets to sit next to dad, uh, that's really cool. In fact, his daughter, uh, Janessa, said, I remember putting my hand in his hand and thinking to myself, if I could just learn to be like him, I'll be on the right track and will and we'll be becoming more like the Savior. My dad was always my hero, she said. The couple's only son, Christian, recalls fond memories of father and son time. Friends came and went because of the family's frequent moves. But my father was always my best friend, albeit a competitive one, he said, whether shooting a basketball with Christian playing a board game with his daughters or fishing with family and friends, Ron loved to win. We were always, uh, while we were growing up, we would never, he would never let anyone win. We had to earn it but it made us better. And that tradition continues now with his loving grandchildren. You know, when it comes to church calling, so Elder Rasband served as a member of the High Council of that University of Utah first stake from 1987 to 99. Now, if I'm doing putting my math in the right order here, Elder Rendland may have been the stake president of that stake during that same time. Elder Rasband became a student ward bishop in the University of Utah 10th ward from 89 to 93. Then from 93 to 97, he was a member of the church's sesquicentennial committee. In 96, he was called to serve as the president of the New York, New York North Mission. In 2000, 
He was called to be a member of the Quorum of the Seventy. Now, once again, let's put those numbers together for a minute. In 96, which means he's a mission president, and that means in that, you know, he's home in 99. And by 2000, full-time church service, member of the Quorum of the Seventy, 2005, presidency of the Seventy, and then 2015, called to be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Now, in pointing out that Elder Rasband finishes as a mission president in 99, and then by 2000, he's called into the first Quorum of the Seventy, really what it meant is at the age of 45, when he was called to be a mission president in 1996, right in the middle of a successful career, he's the CEO of Huntsman Chemical, he's going to work there another 20 years, he's going to make millions of dollars, and gives it all up. Like the apostles of old, he straightway leaves his nets. In fact, he said accepting that call as a mission president took a microsecond. He said to the Lord, if you want me to serve, I'll serve. I love this. Ron took along a great lesson he had learned from his professional experience. People are more important than anything else. And with that knowledge and his honed leadership skills, he was ready to begin full-time church service in the Lord's kingdom. Elder Rasband later said that the calling that brought me to my knees the most was serving as a mission president. My view is that it doesn't matter what you've done in business. It doesn't matter what your occupation has been in life. There is really nothing that can completely prepare you or even closely prepare you to be a mission president and companion. So I really learned to rely on the scriptures. I really learned to rely on the Lord. I was on my knees more on that assignment than ever before in my life. I was caught in situations that I had no experience in, things I didn't know how to deal with. And the Lord spoke to me through the Holy Ghost, and I knew what to do. So I began to understand and learn the power of being spiritually dependent on a higher source. Elder Rasban serves as a wonderful mission president in the New York City area. Elder Rasband shared this experience as a mission president. He said, while serving in New York City, I was with some of our missionaries in a restaurant in the Bronx. A young family came in and sat near us. They appeared golden for the gospel. I watched our missionaries as they continued to visit with me, then noticed as the family concluded their meal and slipped out the door. Then I said, elders, there's a lesson here today. You saw a lovely family come into this restaurant. What should we have done? One of the elders spoke up quickly. I thought about getting up and going over to talk to them. I felt the nudge, but I didn't respond. Elders, I said, we must always act on our first prompting. That nudge you felt was the Holy Ghost. And Elder Rasband became a firm believer on responding to those very first promptings of the Spirit. On another occasion, Elder Rasband shared the experience of Christ, Jesus Christ, in the Book of Mormon, in those great experiences that occur in 3 Nephi, chapter 11 and chapter 17, where the phrase one by one is mentioned. We know that those Nephites are able to go up each of them 2,500 there that day and feel the wounds of the Savior, but he blessed them one by one. And then Elder Asben said this, during the final months of our mission, we experienced an event that taught once again this profound principle that each of us is known and loved by God. Elder Neely Maxwell was coming to New York City for some church business, and we were informed that he would also like to have a mission conference. We were so pleased to have this opportunity to hear from one of the Lord's chosen servants. I was asked to select one of our missionaries to provide the opening prayer for the meeting. I might have randomly picked one of the missionaries to pray, but felt to ponder and prayerfully select one 
whom the Lord would have me asked. And going through the missionary roster, a name came boldly. A name boldly stood out to me. It was almost as if it was a neon lights. I heard Elder Rasband say on another occasion of sharing this experience. Elder Joseph Apia of Accra, Ghana. He was the one I felt the Lord wanted to pray at the meeting. Now, prior to the mission conference, I was having a regularly scheduled interview with Elder Apia and told him of the prompting I had received for him to pray. With amazement and humility in his eyes, he began to weep deeply. Somewhat surprised by his reaction, I started to tell him that it was all right and that he, did, he wouldn't have to pray if he didn't want to. When he informed me that he would love to offer the prayer, that his emotion was caused by the love he has for Elder Maxwell, he told me that this apostle is a very special man to the saints in Ghana and to his own family. He explained that Elder Maxwell had called his father to be the district president in Accra and had sealed his mother and father in the Salt Lake Temple. What a great, great experience. Now, I didn't know what I had just related about this missionary or his family, but the Lord did, and he inspired a mission president on behalf of one missionary to provide a lifelong memory and a testimony-building experience. At the meeting, Elder Apia offered a wonderful prayer and made a humble contribution to a meeting where Elder Maxwell taught the missionaries of the attributes of Jesus Christ. All who were there will never forget the feeling of love that they experienced with their Savior. It's a wonderful reminder that the Lord knows us and that he's involved in the details of our lives. In fact, that theme can be carried on to this next story. So after returning from New York as a mission president, Elder Rasman, yes, was called to be a member of the Quorum of the Seventy in April 2000. In this capacity, he was asked quickly to serve in the Europe Area Presidency. His assignment covered more than 35 countries stretching, stretching from Iceland to Egypt. While serving in that position, Elder Rasband dedicated the first LDS chapel ever built in the Czech Republic. Later, he served as the president of the Utah Salt Lake City area and as the executive director of the church's temple department. And then in 2009, he was called as the senior president of the Presidency of the Seventy. Now, let's go backwards for a second. Did you catch that? He was called to serve in the Europe Area Presidency. Remember, where did he want to serve as a missionary? He wanted to serve in Germany. The Lord called him to the Eastern States Mission in the United States. But that desire to serve in Europe and to be in Germany happens years later as he's able to go over there now as a general authority. Now, he shares this experience. He said, when I was called to the 70s some years ago, we were assigned to move to England to serve in the area presidency. Sister Rasman and I took our two youngest children with us on this assignment. Our daughter was a young single adult and our son was a 17-year-old who liked American-style football and played it well. We were concerned about them. No friends, no extended family, and no American football. I wondered, what would this exciting new experience prove to be a serious trial for our family? The answer came in an early assignment I received. I had been asked to speak to the missionaries at the Missionary Training Center in Preston, England. I called President White of the center and was pleased to hear that they knew of my family situation. He suggested that we include our children on our visit to Preston. Once we were there, he even invited our daughter and son to speak to the missionaries. What a thrill for them to be in and feel included and share their testimonies of the Lord's work. We, when finished and after tender goodbyes to those missionaries, we visited the beautiful Preston, England Temple, which was close to the Missionary Training Center. 
As we walked near the front door, there stood President and Sister Swanee, the temple president and matron. They greeted us and welcomed us into the temple. With Elder Rasband, how would you and your family like to perform baptisms for the dead? What a wonderful idea. We looked at each other and gratefully accepted after performing the ordinances. And while my son and I were still in the font with tears of joy in our eyes, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Dad, why haven't we ever done this before? Elder Rasband said, I thought of all the football games, all the movies we had attended together, all the good times we had shared, certainly happy memories and traditions that are so important to build. However, I realized we had an opportunity to add more meaningful spiritual experiences with our children, like what we had experienced in Preston that day. Thanks to those caring and observant priesthood leaders, I knew that our family was going to be fine in Europe. How grateful we are for the many priesthood and young women leaders who have always been watchful of and loving to our, to our children and to yours. To conclude our message of Elder Rasband today, I'd like to just hit one of the teachings, and I know we'll talk more about his teachings in our next episode, but I wanted to end with this. It's how I started today. I'd like to conclude with it because I do believe it's so powerful. He quoted Elder Neil A. Maxwell, who once explained that none of us ever fully utilizes the people opportunities allocated to us within our circles of friendship. You and I may call these intersectings coincident. Coincidence. This word is understandable for mortals to use, but coincidence is not an appropriate word to describe the workings of an omniscient God. He does not do things by coincidence, but by divine design. And then Elder Rasband added, Our lives are like a chessboard, and the Lord moves us from one place to another. If we are responsive to spiritual promptings, looking back, we can see His hand in our lives. President Thomas S. Monson said to Elder Joseph B. Worthlin, There is a guiding hand above all things. Often when things happen, it's not by accident. One day when we look back at the seeming coincidences in our lives, we'll realize that perhaps they weren't so coincidental after all. Then Elder Rasband shared this great story. He said, Some months ago, our granddaughter joined a group of a youth group to tour several church history sites. The final itinerary noted that she would be passing through the very area where her missionary brother, our grandson, was serving. Our granddaughter had no intention of seeing her brother on his mission. However, as the bus entered the town where her brother was serving, two missionaries could be seen walking down the street. And one of the missionaries was her brother. Anticipation filled the bus as the youth asked the bus driver to pull over so she could greet her brother. In less than one minute, after tears and sweet words, her brother was back on his way to fulfill his missionary duties. We later learned that her brother had been on that street for less than five minutes, walking from an appointment to his car. Heavenly Father can put us in situations with specific intent in his mind. He has done so in my life, and he is doing so in yours, and he did in the lives of our dear grandchildren. I often think of that. I often think of how important people are to our Heavenly Father as he orchestrates these intersecting of events. You know, you think of it, and here's Elder Rasband's grandchildren, a granddaughter and a grandson, brother and sister, on the East Coast. The bus just drives by, happens to see the missionary walking down the street. Heavenly Father wanted this brother and sister to see each other. He totally wanted that and orchestrated it. And you know how it works. Had the bus come by five minutes earlier, two minutes later, they would have totally missed that opportunity 
but it was the perfect timing. And then Elder Razband explained how this pattern has worked in his own life. He said, The Lord placed me in a home with loving parents. By the world standards, they were very ordinary people. My father, a devoted man, was a truck driver. My angel mother, a stay-home mom. But the Lord helped me find my lovely wife, Melanie. He prompted a businessman who became a dear friend to give me an employment opportunity. The Lord called me to serve in the mission field, both as a young man and as a mission president. He called me to the Quorum of the Seventy, and now he has called me to be an apostle. Looking back, I did not orchestrate any of those moves. The Lord did, just as he has orchestrated important moves for you and for those whom you love. He said, Heavenly Father can put us in situations with specific intent in mind. He has done so in my life, and he is doing so in yours. Each of us is a precious and, uh, precious and loved by the Lord who cares, who whispers, and who watches over us in ways unique to each of us. He is infinitely wiser and more powerful than mortal men and women. He knows our challenges, our triumphs, and the righteous desires of our hearts. When we are righteous, willing, and able, we are striving to be worthy and qualified. We progress to places we never imagined and become part of Heavenly Father's divine design. Each of us has divinity within us. When we see God working through us and with us, may we be encouraged, even grateful for that guidance. When our Father in heaven said, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, he was talking about all of his children, you in particular. Since we're talking about being led by divine design today in Elder Rasband, I think it's very appropriate to close today with an experience that I find so cool, so powerful, so interesting. And it's in Elder Rasband's book, Led by Divine Design. It's on page 96 to 98. I just think this is wonderful to share. And then he said this. He said, with the encouragement and permission of President Henry B. Eyring, I would like to relate an experience very special to me, which I had with him years ago when he was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. Each apostle holds the keys of the kingdom and exercises them as the direction and assignment at the direction and assignment of the president of the church. Elder Irene was assigning missionaries to their fields of labor, and as part of my training, I was invited to observe. I joined Elder Irene early one morning in a room where several large computer screens had been prepared for the session. There was also a staff member from the missionary department who had been assigned to assist us that day. First, we knelt together in prayer, and I remember Elder Irene using very sincere words, asking the Lord to bless him to know perfectly where the missionary should be assigned. The word perfectly said much about the faith that Elder Irene exhibited that day. As the process began, a picture of the missionary to be assigned would come up on one of the computer screens. As each picture appeared to me, it was as if the missionary were in the room with us. And Elder Irene would then greet the missionary with this kind of endearing voice. Good morning, Elder X or Sister Y. How are you today? He told me that in his own mind, he liked to think of where the missionaries would conclude their mission. This would aid him to know where they were to be assigned. Elder Irene would then study the comments from the bishops and stake presidents, medical notes, and other issues relating to each missionary. He then referred to another screen which displayed areas and missions across the world. Finally, as he was prompted by the Spirit, he would assign the missionary to his or her field of labor. From others of the twelve, I learned that this general method was typical each week as apostles of the Lord assigned scores of missionaries to serve throughout the world. 
After assigning a few missionaries, Elder Irene turned to me as he pondered one particular missionary and said, So, Brother Rasmin, where do you think this missionary should go? I was startled. I quietly suggested to Elder Irene that I did not know and that I did not know that I could know. He looked at me directly and simply said, Brother Rasband, pay closer attention and you can know. With that, I pulled my chair a little closer to Elder Irene and and the computer screen and I did pay much closer attention. A couple of other times as the process moved along, Elder Irene would turn to me and say, Well, Brother Rasband, where do you think this missionary should go? I would name a particular mission, and Elder Irene would look at me thoughtfully and say, No, that's not it. He would then continue to assign the missionaries where he had felt prompted. As we were nearing the completion of that assignment, a picture of a certain missionary appeared on the screen, and I had the strongest prompting, the strongest of the morning, that the missionary we had before us was to be assigned to Japan. I did not know that Elder Irene was going to ask me on this one, but amazingly he did. I rather tentatively and humbly said to him, Japan. Elder Iron responded immediately, yes, let's go there. And up on the computer screen, the missions of Japan appeared. I instantly knew that the missionary was to go to the Japan Sapporo mission. Elder Irene did not ask me the exact name of the mission, but he did assign that missionary to Japan Sapporo. Privately in my heart, I was deeply touched and sincerely grateful to the Lord for allowing me to experience the prompting to know where that missionary should go. At the end of the meeting, Elder Irene bore his witness to me of the love of the Savior, which he has for each missionary assigned to go out into the world and preach the restored gospel. He said that it is by great love, the great love of the Savior, that his servants know where these wonderful young men and women, senior missionaries and senior couple missionaries, are to serve. I had a further witness that morning that every missionary called in this church and assigned or released to a particular mission is called by revelation from the Lord God Almighty through one of these, his servants. Now, brothers and sisters, friends, family, I'm so grateful for the things that we've talked about today in the life of Elder Ronald A. Rasband. I'm grateful for Elder Rasband. I know that he's a prophet, seer, and revelator. I love that as we've read and studied about his life, that it's very easy to tell that for the most part, he was a very ordinary person. But through time and experience and the Lord's tender tutoring, like the experience we just shared with Elder Irene, the Lord has made him who he is today. The Lord has raised him up and built him and created him into and molded him and shaped him into an apostle in every way, shape, and form. I'm grateful for this wonderful man, for his teachings, for his tenderness, for his love, his guidance, and direction. And I share this with you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.